Well, it's week 52 of the Mad Axman podcast, for those of you who are counting or capable of counting that high. Um, we've got the full set of people here, but in a nod to the zeitgeist, one of us this week's actually even got COVID. We also then dive deep into a long and slightly repetitive, it must be said, discussion about basic techniques, how to do it, how to do it cheaply, which is the way as well. We talk about what we painted, we talk about many, many of the different games we played, and we then have the normal discursive chat around Andy's quiz and Andy's quiz French music. So it's a full week, it's a full set of people, we're back in lockdown world, we're wondering what the next lockdown's going to be, and we're going to sit back and listen to the podcast. It's another week. Um, I believe this is 52. Remarkable. Um, 52? Yep, that sounds about right. So we did 51 last week, so it's probably 52 this week. And last time we even delved into a proper topic of conversation about big battles, and um, which means we're sort of starting to do the same thing as other podcasts and, and catching the zeitgeist. And I've got a zeitgeistastic set of seven people here. Um, all along the top of the Zoom. So new, new, new contributors then? Yeah, new contributors. Yeah, I've, I've been the old lot, uh, tried some new ones, but unfortunately we're back with you. That was, a, that was an unsuccessful secret podcast midweek. But um, So we've got the full set. So if I just sort of run along the thing, um, Peter, you appear to have a, a new backdrop of, of an Assyrian relief. Does this, um, you know, which isn't some, some very strange... <laughs> Um, practice in a small bar in a back street but um what what have you been up to this week what's going on in painting peter world um well i've uh, moved on to bavarian so i've got a bit more time to paint as i'm currently uh, uh off sick so i've uh, been delving into the worlds of uh, bavarian blue and uh, uh trying to actually fill them out is that lots lots of very detailed little checkers of blue and white and, and BMWs driving around and things like that? That's only on the no, flag. I've, I've bought a flag for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, okay. That way uh, lies madness. Uh, yep. Yeah. No, no. It's a nice blue. Uh, I got an absolutely fantastic stack of material from Andy explaining about all the colours, what they're all called. So in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be doing my uh, very best Dave special mispronunciation of uh, in a dodgy accent of different battalions of the uh, uh, Bavarians uh, while explaining that these had gold buttons and these had um, slightly blue buttons or something. Right okay which your um, your painting skills in 15 mil will no doubt clearly they'll all be gold. They'll all, be gold. all, be gold. all yeah. the buttons will be gold. Be careful, mate. It sounds like you're turning into a Napoleonic war gamer. Yeah. Oh, no it's scary. Peter, if, I can paint, it... if I can paint Bavarians you can don't worry about it. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, think it's, I think it's a bug going around. Yeah. I give everybody else uh, permission that if Peter starts starting a sentence off when talking about Napoleonic uniforms with, I think you'll find, just give him right. a slap. Yeah, that could be the issue, couldn't it, really? That definitely yeah, could yeah. be. Is that, that, that Snoit's drinking game? That could be, yeah. Yeah, when Peter starts telling us something, actually, that he sounds like he knows the history of his army, we all have to take a slug of whatever beer or whiskey or, or red wine that oh, we're that doing. Oh, that could get so. dangerous. I'd just get briefed by Andy and Dave beforehand and get you all absolutely trolled. Yeah, no, that could be true, actually. <laughs> that could be true. Okay, so is it, is it sort of been a week of preparation then, um, rather than a week of actually diving in and, and doing stuff? Uh, well, it was a, a week of work, 
crazy work and then a uh, bit of a standstill with um, um, you know being diagnosed okay, yes. with covid so yeah. this week is more of a painting week yeah <laughs> okay yeah well you know fing- fingers crossed that you don't um don't end up well obviously the whole you know illness and, and death thing clearly but um but even yeah. coughing over the podcast too much would be um would be great as well yeah. it's got the mute button it's got the mute button. That's good then. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Just ask. Just ask to be put in the Clive. If you have to go to hospital, ask to be put in the Clive McLeod ward. Then all about war gamers there. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. All right. Well, Andy, now that you're, um, you, I think you've already made three contributions in Peter's um, bit about his painting. So do we want to go next with you then? And um, and and the rest of us can all interrupt four or five <laughs> times as well. Please do. Yeah. Go for it. I'm, I'm very happy with that. Yeah. In fact, you're wearing a Bavarian blue sweater. If I'm not. Um, much mistaken. No, it's a bit this... darker than I, I hate to admit. It, it's more kind of kind of Chelsea colour than Bavaria. But why no. did I start going down the Napoleonic uniform colours Pantone reference dead uh, early? Yeah. As soon as I opened my mouth, I thought this is and against Andy as well. What's what's going to go? What's going to happen? Then? You you want to get more Napoleonic? I just want to get more Napoleonic. So Andy, what 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 have you been painting? And and you know, does it match your sweater? Whatever you've been doing uh, this week, uh, Thracians and no. Um, I've been I've been painting uh, some of the leftover Thracians. I've got one pack nearly painted, and I found a pack of um, Bald, um, Balkan Voynichs, so I've undercoated them. We'll be painting them as well. So, if they're um, if your Thracians are not wearing sweaters, does it mean they're lowland Thracians rather than highland Thracians? Probably because they get chilly at night. Otherwise, they do have cloaks though, so that would keep them nice and warm. Okay, uh, and I've done the cloaks different colours. They're all they're all wearing brown. I think I call them Phrygian caps, don't they? They're kind of like... Yeah. Um, so it's more the summer rather than the winter collection. used to wear. Yeah. Okay. So, is, um, Gregory Porter, is Gregory Porter a Thracian because of the hat he wears? I'm just wondering. Has there ever been, everyone ever investigated this? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. But it does some... Are they the Romphia Thracians or are they javelin men? You, a bit of a no, mix spe- of both? Spe- it, well, they seem to come with spears. I might just trim the spears down to make them a bit more... Um, more javelin-y, but the, yeah, no, they're, they're not the Rompoya guys. Okay, that'll be um, yeah, that's um, that's an interesting little army iterations. I think uh, it's it's kind of somewhere on that to-do list of um, I've got enough iterations for a sort of contingent of Seleucids and things, that, but then there's always that temptation to expand those three bases into a um, an actual whole army. Well, actually, I was actually counting today and including the other bases I've got and the things I've got to paint, I could actually make about nine or ten bases of uh, Thracian medium uh, medium foot. Okay, that's that's starting yeah. to get... Which is, enough for a sort of allied, which is enough for an allied contingent in, 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 in an army. Um, I just need some cavalry of some kind, I suppose. Well, I, I guess, you know, Johnny Generic Cavalry, possibly. Who, who knows? That could be all right. So it's, yeah. it's, just, been, it's just been the Hellenistics then. Um, any learnings from painting people entirely brown? Mm, no, not really. I've, I've been not painting really. them sort of contrast colours because I get bored of painting everything the same colour. Right. OK, but, but mixing them up. All right. Well, if, if we've got no learnings from Andy, that's, that's probably time to go to Tamsin. Absolutely. And, um, you know, see what we, can, um, what we can learn this week after last week's um, bombshell about um, nail polish, nail polish holders. Yes, uh, well, probably not much to learn this week, other than the fact that I actually did finish painting the foot, foot leaders for my infamy, pro- infamy, infamy project. That looks like a lot of leaders. Yeah, it's probably more than, more than an eight, well, you've also got standard, standard bearers and musicians in, in there, so. 
and that's yeah. a very heavily crewed ballista at the back as well there's um yeah there's, what five guys on that one if i can yes, see it somewhere that's uh, a, that's um, that's reassuring well, actually because um there's always a temptation with ballistas just to stick two crew on it because mm. that's kind of what comes in the packet but but it's a big old base isn't it with not much on it and um yeah. there's quite a lot of dudes doing stuff there yeah uh i went with well Went with five because that's the crew number that's given that you use for infamy infamy. Okay. Need to make up some casualty morale tracking marker bases to use. Possibly. It, isn't it like uh, building work? There's uh, basically two people doing something, and another three stood around telling them how to do it. Yeah, it does look like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the front looks like one, he's. Um, you need one roaming guy holding a little sign saying "Stop and go." <laughs> yeah. yeah, fire and no fire. Yeah, should have thought. Should have thought about when I did the engineers' base the other yeah. uh, originally. Yeah, I've actually. Well, I've actually got a um, on my painting list to do is, is a Greek temple. I was thinking of doing a sort of consider a contractor's logo somewhere on it. Yeah, I mean, Romans ended up a few more leader figures than... Sorry, uh, I, I, sorry, I, there was just a moment there, and this will make no sense on the podcast at all, but you just, you've got a picture of two Roman leaders next to each other, and they've kind of got <laughs> one hand on their hip and one hand waving, and, you yes. were and you've got a front and back view, and you were sort of swapping between the two, and it <laughs> did kind of look like a little bit of YMCA thing going on there. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I might have to try yeah. and clip this video out. And, um, it is a rather tempo. It is a rather camp pose. It is a rather camp pose. Is that one of the Donington ones with them? Um, yeah, Luke? those are Donington. I very, yeah. I very in the artillery and equipment. Yeah, I did. Did the Romans have teapots? Um, or, <laughs> or am I going somewhere? I really no, don't know. But... I've no idea what that really means. That's probably I probably said something <laughs> yeah. deeply inappropriate there, haven't I? Um, right. Okay. No, they're yeah. they're looking grand, aren't they? Let's see. Yeah, I but Roman Roman leaders. I for the office, officer ones. Ended up with more figures because you can represent either auxiliary mm. officers or legion officers. And are those yeah, on? Um, those are, those are single like. single fifteen mil figures. Are they based on? Are those MDF rounds or have you just twenty millimeter MDF rounds? Yeah. Okay, so you didn't even go with pennies or two P pieces because there's always that. No, because I had a load of twenty millimeter bases. Fine. Because don't aren't twenty mil bases actually more than two pence each? That's the weird thing. <laughs> yeah, you've got the cost. I mean, they do cost cost a little bit more, but yeah. because I'm consistency. using consistency, sort of magnets on the magnetic sheet on the base on yeah on the base, yep. underneath the base of the figures, and then flexometal in the boxes. A very so very good recovery was, there. A very good recovery comes in to um mm. to me accidentally pointing out to you that you've spent more than it would be to oh, actually yeah. just use money um which yeah. is like kind of always a good thing on that one so no they look great they're, they're good so it's that was that a project that you draw drew a line under this week or was there more stuff started well for romans and germans i i think somebody mentioned lancashire lancashire games earlier mm, yeah it might have been before we started recording but I Lancashire announced a, a sort of sale today. Ah, oh, Black Friday, I, is I, it? Um, yeah, I don't know if it's Black Friday or pre-Christmas, but I thought, yeah, okay, I'll order the extra German and Roman figures I need to make my own up 
up for ADLG. No, they do some good stuff with really big shields on them as well. I think that once you get them painted up, it really, yeah, that's really quite impressive. Okay. Yeah, so I've done that and I have didn't get onto the copperstone figures and I decided to take a break from figure painting. I've got a couple of bits of MDF scatter terrain to okay. quickly paint up before I do the copperstones. Yeah. yeah, you can only do it for so long. Well, if we're talking about um, Lancashire having a sale, I think Mr. Lee Ray Mayer, um, that yeah. possibly puts those to you, because we've, we've had a little um, kind of sidebar WhatsApp exchange about the Venexia Ottomans um, and, and some of their other stuff, because they've, they've inherited or, or ended up with that Venexia range that had disappeared for quite some time and gone to America and come back. And, and they are actually kind of, cheap for what used to be an expensive range i think but um but what you know what other than just putting yourself on mute and um, tapping away at your keyboard to look at how cheap the sale is on lancashire games right now um well, <laughs> what have you actually been painting this week before i've just distracted you with with a potential entire extra project oops sorry as i um, step away from the lancashire website <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah, I've been plotting evil with the Lancashire website and their um, their sales. Um, so did you yeah. did you know this sale was coming up, or did you just get get wind of it? Or I was hoping that, that they would do something around the November. Um, okay. November, November time. So Lancashire often do a sale, and I was Sorry, I'm just going to crack open another beer here in case there's a sound effect. Sorry. Uh, sound. Good. Yeah. More well, giving me a sound of happiness, beer, yeah. or just giving open. Yeah, so I've been, just been keeping an eye out on their website and noticed their um, sale had to come up. So, um, and their prices aren't, sorry, their prices are quite good. So, it's, you think of um, it's four heavy cavalry, it's three pounds mm. ten normally, now down to two pounds forty eight. So, um, wow, so that's like 160p a cavalry figure. Yeah, so. You start looking at some of those ranges of, you know, maybe if I would, if one day I might want to do it, you think, hmm, shiny, might do that. Wow. From a painting perspective, I've actually taken a break from ADLG and Renaissance figures, which is, um, I know, a little bit of heresy. And I've been busy painting up um, a fantasy army for Dragon Rampant. Okay. Which, which does not tee in very nicely with the... Um, Ostrich and kangaroo eggs. We had a discussion about a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, okay. A rampant dragon with some eggs. Just yep. No, it could it could be there. You know, it's a, it's a Australian antipodean dragon or something. So, what scale are you doing for a dragon rampant then? Um, I'm doing it in 28 mil. Is that the correct answer, Peter? Well, no. It's like if it was 15, and I have to get some more figures. Oh. I've got 28 mil stuff. <laughs> got 28 it's, kind of like, it's the uh, wrong answer. It means you can't buy any more stuff. Fine. Okay. All right. Yeah. There may have been an eBay accident. Um, you know, was on eBay late at night, saw an army, put a cheeky bid in, and all of a sudden actually won the entire uh, sorry, won the, the auction for an entire um, army. So I'm I'm waiting for that to end up in the Oxford English dictionary. It was an eBay accident. <laughs> <laughs> 
that should be one of the words of the year, shouldn't it, really? Because they were talking about several words of the year. Remote. No. <laughs> You'll know it from um, in Australia, they announced some of the new words that have gone into the Australian dictionary, which I know is a almost an oxymoron, but um, it's now acknowledged that ISO and uh, Rona is uh, two new words in our dictionary. So Rona, you've got the Rona. They can't use big words. So yeah, I've been an ISO for Rona. It's a real bummer. Right. <laughs> it's truth. I just quite like the concept of having some Assyrian relief. And want to know how much it costs? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Adam, um, you know, you now you you chipped in. Um, you were you had a week last week when you weren't going to do any painting at all, but you did like an absolute, you know, boatload of um, mm -hmm. if, if summations do come in boats. Um, I'm assuming that you've accidentally bought a load of stuff, or oh no, you were you were going to buy a bedside airbrush, weren't you? No, um, no, I was not, no, not going to get an airbrush. Yeah. But no, all I've done this week is I've carried on with the Syrians. I haven't finished them. wasn't doing it too, um, too much. Um, but I spent more time putting together 30 of the Dacian infant figures because it's now getting to the time of the year where, where I always want the next batch ready and primed up to paint just in case it gets to the point of I finish one batch and then it rains for three weeks. Um, so I'm trying to make sure. So I was doing prepping the new batch before finishing summations. And, oh, can't, um, you, um, can't you do spraying in any of your extensive range of outbuildings? Well, I do, but it's still kind of damp, so I just prefer, oh, right. it's, I just prefer it not, the atmosphere not being damp, if at all possible. Yeah. And I might be being a bit of a wuss, but yeah, it's sort of like a, a dry day as opposed to a, is better than just a day where it's not raining indoors. Mm. And I... I I was amazed this week because my, my Victrix order did arrive and I do also have a little booklet and whilst you were saying there's an extensive booklet for painting Second World War German three-tone camo, you know, which is kind of complicated. Yeah. Um, I got Shermans, which are kind of green, and there was <laughs> the same book. And, um, and on the front cover of it, they had a list of paint colours um, for painting these 10 mil Shermans. And there were 23 different paints on it. Yes. And, and your, your comedy line from last week about the bedside airbrush is actually bloody true. It's yeah, in. It's, I thought you'd made that up for comedy purposes. That's not a, last week, that wasn't a pudding I was over-egging. If anything, no, I was uh, not at all. doing subtlety. Not at all. 23 bloody paint colours for painting a 10 mil Sherman. And I think there's four colours of white for doing the whitewash. Um, because for winter war. painting a 10 mil Sherman, I'm going with, well, we need green. Mm. Um, I'm just waiting for the spray to arrive, and then it's mostly sand. done. That's just absolutely it. Okay. So if, how, how have the, um, the Dacians been going? Do they click together very well? Is there any good, um, you know, things where you go, the, the mould lines are in the right places or whatever? Um, there's not very much. There's still quite a new range, so there's not too many mould lines, I don't think. I think it's um, they're quite clean. They're, the mould lines are quite easy to scrape off. Um, I know you've got into kit bashing different plastic figures and sticking them together. Um, my judgment of these plastic kits, uh, I want them to be uh, a wide variety of interesting posing poses while being really, really easy to stick together. Um, yeah. I know that's contradictory, but that—that's my uh, beautiful thing. They're—they're they're 
I found some of them were a little bit of a pain to get the arms to match up and be a bit natural and they might need a little bit of filler or something. Yeah. Or that might yeah. so I found it, it seemed to take me to stick 30 of them together seemed to take an awful long time. Um, but when I say an awful long time, that's a couple of hours probably. Mm. Um, but they look good. Um, they, they're prepped and I'm sure once they're painted, they will look even even better so they're all sort of like kind of working and there is lots of poses and the bowmen because I'm doing one base of bowmen um, in that 30 and sort of like each of the bowmen's a different pose some are loosing some are knocking some are taking a sort of like arrow out the quiver um, either on the back or in the hip so it's yeah it's all good that's good excellent all right okay yeah, oh, in fact no the only thing about them that's kind of interesting is there are eight bodies on a sprue and two of the bodies are topless um okay. and they go with the um bare arms of the double-handed falcs thing which which looks good but it just um you can't there are lots of arms that can't go with lots of bodies because it's a okay. case of well he's not wearing a top but he's got sleeves that's yeah. a bit weird it's <laughs> um, kind of like a reverse australian footballer thing going on yeah now i did go with one where he yeah. was wearing a top hmm. and sort of like had bare arms just to right. sort of like have a little bit because that, that wasn't it's like a tank top it might be yeah. a fashion mistake but it's not yeah. completely impossible so it, uh, actually are you going to do like an australian rules football thing or are you just going to do a kind of 1940s british tank top with brown horizontal stripes and things like that no i'm going to i'm going to do i'm going to paint it in a very shade of like light brown or right it'll just be brown yeah Yes, just, just so you can't really notice it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay. And I'm certainly not going to go with the uh, Aussie rules football thing. Not with the Aussie. Um, Is there or a budget-based team? The, top, the topless ones. Have you seen um, the rug, the Australian, I presume they use them in English, uh, rugby league? They wear, like, skin, skin tight. Yes, yes, that's true, actually, like, yeah. yeah. I might actually paint the topless ones Yeah, as um, football yeah. league. Uh, yeah, saying so, so there was, um, a, you know, third-century BC lycra. Because actually, wasn't wasn't Lycra one of the client kingdoms of Rome in the um, in that particular part of the Mediterranean? The king of Lycra, or possibly? Yes, 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 yes. That's a whole um, that's a whole another. That was Rome's expanding empire. Yes. Oh my God! It's week fifty-two, and he's come up with a good one. Oh, that's (laughs) fantastic! Oh my Lord, amazing! Um, Stop! I'm just getting a pen to write this one down. Write this one down. Rome's expanding empire. As well. (laughs) I I saw I saw a really good uh, T-shirt the other day on on Facebook, which was um, actually Andy. Andy, Andy, you've had a win. You've had a win. You sure you want to go on with this? No, yeah, I really like this one. It was a T-shirt that said. I believe in the right to arm bears. Quit while you ahead, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's another opportunity for the, um, yeah, that, that sound effect. Um, right, okay. Dave, you, you've suddenly jumped into centre screen and, um, and you're there with... Um, your kind of pseudo-American football numbers on your your shirt, and um, and you you've got your microscope there or whatever it is, your um, magnifying glass, your painting stuff. Tell us what's on the Dave desk this week. Um, the usual nonsense of Württemberg infantry, the last regiment. I'm just deciding which of the three flags I'm going to use and which one. Will it be Prinz Karl 
Crumb Prince or Von Camera. I'd, or, I'd, or go, I'd go with the regiment you can pronounce. Yeah. Might be I an idea. Yellow flag rather than the blue flags. Okay. So just we've been... a pink one and we've got a blue one already. So I think a yellow one's what's going to have to go. So then I've got to investigate the collars and cuffs for them. <laughs> well, make sure they match. Yeah, exactly. You got it. <laughs> yeah. That's what the magnifying glass is for. Yeah. I've got a bit bored of painting all that, so um, I've, I've been going rummaging through the boxes of rubbish, and I've got a box of. Uh, well, thanks. I've got a box of stuff which you got given at salute and at various things. So I stuck together some uh, Deus Vault Fireforge. Okay. Yeah. King Baldwin. We were given at uh, Rome at the Worlds in Rome. Oh, Mike Baldwin. Yeah, but so um, please, please don't suggest Mike Baldwin's any form of royalty. That would be a, a, a deep, deep dark hole to go down. Um, so, so I started sticking him together with uh, Tester's cement because I, I, I'm not, a, I'm no good with these fifty foot, uh, twenty-eight millimeter things. And it was until Simon at uh, Clive's funeral pointed out that the fireball figures are actually um, resin. Dave. Dave, there's an entire podcast about glue. Yeah. Where were you? <laughs> you were part of it. Were you paying no attention? Well, well no, it's, pa it's painting Egyptians or something. Yeah. yeah, Tim, that was so one lockdown ago. <laughs> that was so one lockdown ago, absolutely. Yeah. I've been sitting here trying to stick a horse together with plastic cement glue, and it's just falling apart. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing wrong till I found yeah. out it was resin? So, the, answer, the answer to all questions is use Araldite, isn't it? Uh, I don't like Araldite. I tried, well, that's yeah, another story. Gosh, baby sham. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been painting some Malifaux figures. You've got some Malifaux figures. Well, before. when we went down to Bournemouth and I came. Yes, that's through, true. Yeah. yeah. I was wandering around the shop in Tournament in Bournemouth thinking, what the hell should I do with another victory? 15 quid or whatever. And I bought these uh, Malifaux sewer bases. Okay, right. Awesome. So you're building from the ground up. Put them together, and uh, you probably want to see them because the lights. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay. So like a little brick wall with some pipes and some tentacles coming out of them. Right. Excellent. Uh, have you got anything to actually put on the base? Yeah. No, it's a base with with a wall and some pipes, and then out of the pipes are coming some sort of alien tentacle thing. Okay, so you've done a base, which for this week, to be yeah. fair, is like pretty on, pretty on, on point, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty yeah. on point. And so, on top of it, so yeah. you know, I'm sort of between projects. So I've been thinking, go through this bag, bag of old salutes, plastics, and sort of stick some of them together and have a bit of fun with that. But the main thing is, um, I've decided I'm, I've going to new project for the winter is going to be some sort of African army. Probably Baker ah. or Christian Nubian. <coughs> so I remembered that Paul Johnson did a really pretty army for that. He uh, did, yeah, really good, Paul really Paul good. Years ago. So I got hold of him on email this morning. Mm. <coughs> and then he said, give me a call on his WhatsApp. And he's in Zanzibar. As one does, yeah. And he's our, he's our listener from Zanzibar. There is a listener from Zanzibar. Yes, there is. That's true. On the, uh, yeah. on the stats. He went out there. He was telling me he got a new job. Yeah, well, he's, he's out there studying uh, Swahili. 
right? <laughs> Nearly well, about an hour discussing which manufacturers make the best figures for uh, various African armies. Wow, amazing. That's good. So that means that's another entire continent or, or yeah. continent-sized place where um, I presume ADLG can now claim that it's played as well. Um, <laughs> we're going back to a very old DBM story, um, but, but we won't go there. Um, about different Botswana. Botswana. Botswana scandal, the Botswana scandal. Okay. So, so what, so which, um, which manufacturers do make well, any of those sorts of figures? Well, I, I mean, uh, to go back on the, on our silly pricing conversation, the regular kingdom of Benin figures look quite funky and are really dirt cheap. Okay. All right. In any way, Beja or Christian Nubian, but yeah. they look like funky figures. They're quite cheap, yep. And um, I think you need, you know, for sort of an African armies, you need six bases of impetuous swordsmen. So they, they could be a bit of a lot. Um, so maybe some Eureka noble cavalry might have to come in. Mm -hmm. uh, not sure yet, still debating. Yeah, actually, I think I did see one of those armies part painted in in whatever the Americans call bring and buy. Um, Tabletop flea players. market they call it don't they flea market yeah flea market at cold wars earlier this year and i i kind of you sort of cruise around and get tempted by it and then um and then come back and somebody else had bought it so i didn't have to ship it back which is probably a relief but but i think um you know there there is a point there on on pricing that's kind of interesting that, that i suspect we should come back to next week yeah, okay. so it's been finishing wurtenbergers deciding what flags to give them and then planning the next big project and doing some odds and sods. Yeah, odds and sods. I think odds and sods is the next uh, thing, just to just to okay. prevent the boredom. Just do some. I've got some space marine type things which I found, which we were all given at warfare. as uh, given at salute a few years ago, so they might be a bit funny. They might get done as well. Good. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I think from my point of view, again, it's been an odds and sods week as well. There's, it's one of those. I think I threw some photos on on the website earlier but so i've had a load of six mil tanks that i painted about another 20 of um some one-ton land rovers some chieftains some butler's plastic models um t55s which you know a t55 is about as throwaway a tank as you want it's, it's almost kind of what a small child would draw a tank so you know they're they're not um hyper fantastic models but adding 10 T-55s to a, to a force that's going to throw itself at the enemy is fine. I've started painting those couple of Trent miniatures, um, Ottoman, Ottoman commanders um, up there somewhere, whatever, um, in 28 mil, which are generals for an Ottoman army that I don't really own um, properly in 15 mil. I've had a bash at... I sort of got stuck with the 28 mil Arabs because I just had 60 or 70 infantry spearmen and stuff to do and it was just too many to finish off because they were all quite close to being done i've done all the main colors and things but it was just a bit of faffing around um so i almost needed to do something else and i, I rebased a few different bits and pieces i used a bit more bio strip on some really you know the most i think one of the world's most boring 15 mil figures must be the essex 15 mil arab spearmen um with the round shield with the kind of the studs on it and they're just like and i actually did some bio strip on some of those to to try and paint some of them up in colors because all mine are in desert beiges so there's a bit of bio strip on that um 
I rebased a few of um, a few of my 15 mil Numidians um, to kind of get, because I just suddenly thought, actually, I've got the wrong mix of troops for that. And then having done all these other distraction projects, I suddenly found myself going back to the other Arabs and going, messed around and done diddly squat really this week on of, of anything i want why don't i just stick all these things on a base and just tidy up the bits that i need to do later um when they're based rather than looking at them all on base so so suddenly these arab spearmen have gone from oh i don't want to finish them to oh i've nearly finished them and I don't need to do much to actually finish them, and, and I've sort of got to do it now. So this means war. This means war. My Victrix order with the mythical ten mil Shermans arrived, which um, <laughs> is just—it's again. I think it kind of. It probably does mean I think we do need to have a conversation about why we don't want to pay proper money for good stuff. Um, maybe it's a proper conversation next week because these these Victory Shermans, as you said, Adam, they're they're really really well detailed, but they are still ten mil tanks, and at twenty two quid for six, that's like three pounds seventy each, and. Are they better than pit head tanks at two pound seventy? Um, are they a third, fourth? It's really made me focus about trying to get my head around what my own thought process is on that. I, yeah, and I think the first thing is define better. Now, yeah. for a for a technical exercise of a casted mm. tank at yeah. um, one hundred forty-four, yeah, they are technically better and yeah. yeah. better. But for me. That's not necessarily the most winningest thing I need yeah. in a tank. So there's a conversation in the head then about what... Because I'm looking for a robust war games figure. Yeah. And details, I want it to look right, and enough detail yeah. to look like a tank good, but... Yeah. Mm. And, and I think, you know, this one, there's, um, there's a machine gun that sort of sits behind the um, commander's cupola, you know, the patch or whatever it's called, and, and it sort of sticks on. And the odd thing is on the metal ones, it's a metal thing. It kind of goes into a hole in the tank. It's metal and metal. And it's, a, it's bigger and lumpier than it should be, but it's bloody metal. Um, whereas this is a cast to scale plastic glued on, um, on a, you know, the thickness of a needle mounting onto another bit of plastic. And you're going this, I'm, I'm going to break this. Whereas if it's metal, I'm not sure I am. It's kind of, I mean, I'm absolutely in, in two minds about whether this is a, a great thing or not. And, um, and particularly coming a couple of weeks after I got those metal um, Hanamags from, from the guy at Red 3 that are, that are kind of exactly what I want for, um, for 10 mil tanks. They're clean, they're nice castings. And I've been looking at some of the, 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 pre-printed no the um print to order stuff online to think particularly for tanks and you know adam you must have done this as well with them you can have the apcs but they do cost money or sorry cost points and they're 
and you end up wanting a load of cheap trucks to ferry your infantry around the battlefield mm. so you can spend more points on tanks really don't you but then you're going why am i paying proper money for trucks that are going to move twice and be taken off because which i have done <laughs> which they're just markers yeah. um and i was thinking oh should i just get some resin trucks because that would be kind of a good compromise and then you look at them you go some of them at 10 mil have got real um printing lines i guess on them uh, so there's all sorts of weird things but i think there's a whole other conversation that we should probably have next week about why and what is good value and and why do we bang on about it and get so tied up about it as as war gamers particularly ancient war gamers or or historical war gamers because i don't think it's such a thing in in the gw world or the you know some other other parts of it so i don't think it's a thing in the board games world people pay proper it, money for stuff if, if you look at the price of games workshop good value in games workshop eh, yeah you, like, you've already gone you know you're out aren't you on that on that thing but, yeah. one figure 80 pounds <coughs> adlg army almost just over 80 pounds hmm. i think to be honest it's it's, a, it's it's very much an instinctive thing and not rational and you if you if you really like something you'll pay the money for it and um, why, why, but I think the big question, you know, let, maybe let's just come back to this next week is why it's almost a, you know, we're getting almost into psychology, but why are we not able to make rational decisions? Because we could all look at one thing and go, oh, you know, that's not good value. And we could all look at something else and go, I'd pay any money for that. And, and both of them are, are, are it, it goes back figures. to, um, you know, uh, without being boring, uh, economics and, you know, um, and the study of it and what you value it compared to someone else values it. Um, you know, that comparison could be vastly different. I mean, there are someone who's not war gamer about do they value any of the armies that we have and do. Yeah, that's probably a whole other thing. But but I do think there is something specific in in historical war gamers about this as well. Um, you know, and I remember having a, a conversation with, with a couple of guys who run a big board game show and talking to them about historical war gamers and they said look at the end of the day historical war gamers as a group are just tight um you know and if you think of the the people who um you know when when the bhgs moved one of their competitions to uk games expo at the nec there were whole groups of it was almost bizarre it's kind of rule set specific and some rule sets were going no this is too expensive i don't like paying for the parking whatever and other rule sets were going this is all right. It's fine. I quite like it. And yeah, clearly there's different things and different costs and, and all the rest of it, but there's, there's just something weird there, but you know, look, let's, let's unpick that um, next week and then let's get on to, to what sort of gaming have you done this week? Yeah. But going back to your, your Shermans and the machine yeah. guns, yeah. you're doing British or American. They're going to be the same. They're going to be generic. All right. Okay. Uh, Shermans. The I mean, lots of people yeah, argue about like this. The, the top, like the, the top machine gun, the anti-aircraft, which was for anti-aircraft, I mean, most of the British tanks removed it. Well, I think mine will be British then, because I think I'll be removing <laughs> it by accident. Because there are different types of Shermans, it. and this is the way different types of Shermans go. You've got Sherman 75s and 76s, which are actually the same tank. It just depends yeah. on what I say what gun they've got. Yeah. You've got the Firefly, yeah. who's got a bigger gun, and then you've got and the bigger and a different turret. And the thing out the back, the box on the back. Yeah. Yep. And then you've got the jumbo. And that's the only <laughs> two types of three. 
and you've got one of these heroes with the um, drain pipe stuck over it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, uh, sorry, Adam. I'll help, I'll have you let you know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can I just ask Peter a question? Because um, his background is that actually the um, the Ishtar Gate Babylonian Lion. Is that a special background you put on? Because that looks like it's sort of like a wall in Peter's Towers. Is that part of your house? It's, you know, it, we just had it shipped over from Germany. Yeah. We just uh, took it out of the museum there and just yeah. uh, decided to attach it to the wall. Peter's Mansions in South London. It looks beautiful, by the way. It's, it's, it it's fantastic. It's, it's a, you should see it with the, the uplights. You know, when, when, <laughs> when I, if I went and turned the uplights on right now, it's a, it'd just be fantastic. Just you know, and uh, if you can see the little notch I'm trying to get just over there, if you press <laughs> that in, the cocktail bar comes out. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mr. Bond, you're spoiling us. Right. So have you got okay. the shark tank behind it then? This means war. Well, this week then, um, let's go around the table and see who's been gaming. So, Andy, you're you're the king of gaming. I think we all found out this week that you'd spent um, over two hundred hours on Tabletop Simulator so far, which um, is is astonishing and um, admirable, and a massive commitment to supporting um, the enforcement of lockdown um, regulations across the UK. I think there's probably, I think the one show do like lockdown heroes, and maybe we should all nominate you and. Um, and get Jermaine Genus to, to turn up at your house and, and socially distance, give you an award for, for playing war games for the longest period of time without meeting anybody or something. But, um, but what, what's, you must have had, what, played a couple of days solid this week or something to ratchet that up? Uh, no, I, I, what did I do this week? I had my, my usual game against Dave Ray on a Wednesday, um, and Dave Saunders and I played BE on Sunday night, and of course you guys joined in and we're learning how to play it and just playing it very slowly to try and wrap our heads around it. Um, I think the hours it clock, I clock up on it must be time spent putting the army lists together. must count that as well. But um, and are, those hours say, well spent, are those hours well spent or do you um, still... Not really. Well, I was going to say that um, based, based on the recent games that Dave, Ray and I did about the um, Punic Wars, if my results were replicated historically, Rome would be a, um, a, a tourist attraction on the out on the outskirts of the Carthaginian Empire right. <laughs> okay the Romans have not been doing it good for you then no no it's not been going well uh, we're doing um Sinocephali this week which is the later Macedonians against the Romans so I'm going to be the later Macedonians okay do you actually um say do you have sort of the setup for these games you save the setups if you both got are they historical lists or are they just broadly no we don't we're, we're, what we're doing for these games is we just say what what year was the battle Fine. what were the armies that took part and then just build army lists around that, that right okay uh, yeah so for example when we did can i we did the hannibal in italy version of the carthaginians okay um so it's that, pretty, that's how, pretty light touch pretty a lot that's of degree of, of that's the only degree of authenticity that we got with it but the battle could have taken place in any kind of terrain based on what was rolled up and who got the initiative okay all right. And then the um, the Battle Empire game, which I kind of joined in on the end of it, I think um, there was quite an, well, quite an enlightening debate on that. And, um, and Dave, you can probably chip in as well, in which um, I think Dave was, was trying to work out if the rules were broken. 
and and you were pointing out to him that advancing in column down a road over a bridge towards a massed artillery battery of Russians would have been pretty bad idea in any sort of rules. Um, so, yeah. Dave, have you have you um, have you internalised that yet? Have you internalised that challenge? We get it completely, but I think once you've got a, an impassable river with two fords and a bridge, you, you're pretty. The game is pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought it was fantastic to see the ricochets almost taking out your generals twice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ricochets of the bouncing ball going through a column of infantry and then hitting into the people behind it. It was really quite frightening. But, yeah. Well, you got, well, you got, what, you, what you sort of seem to overlook is that it's it's not just one cannonball. It's it's a whole swathe of the front of a battery, which hmm. you know, with a Russian battery, you're looking probably like 120 meters wide of you know scattered guns. So. We're, there's quite a swathe. I just was that was that um, terrain that some of you actually chose? I can't imagine it was just. No, no, it no it's all came up, up in the die rolls. It's kind of compulsory in Eastern. But it was, it, we were playing in Eastern Europe because Andy was using the Russians. And, and when you, there's a possibility of you having a river across the front of your own deployment area that has only got two fords. Yeah. Well, wow. all the okay. terrain has to go in your side. If you whatever you do, you get on the table mm. goes in your side of the table. So if you get a river, you then dice for well the whereabouts the river starts and finishes. And it seems to be quite often it comes on in a sort of U shape. Right. I, I no, no, there, there was, there was right. look, look, fair go to Dave. There was three fords. He only chose to two, use the two that were facing straight at the cannons. Fine, that was it. Yeah, and, well, and was it was, was it a mandatory to have the the river running pretty much along the outside edge of your deployment area? Essentially, yes. But also, the river rolled up as a fast flowing, wide river. And you know, if it was a little stream, you wouldn't have had that problem because the guys could have just waded across anywhere, and then it wouldn't have been uh, such a terrain obstacle. I, I think it's it basically it's like Aspen Essling, which is like where. Yeah, I'm sure we all know. Uh, Napoleon was trying to get across a river and the Austrians were floating pontoons full of bricks down the river. Yeah. I think that's is that episode number 17 of the Lockdown 20, possibly. Exactly. Yeah, Something yeah. like could that. Well yeah. yeah, could well be. Asperger Essling. What my army's supposed to represent, so that was fun. Okay. Uh, I think BE's quite a complicated set of rules. It's good. It's, it, there's a lot going on in there. It's there's a lot of traffic management, isn't there? That's it's bizarre. This yeah. that's one of the skills is traffic management, which I think is yeah. your, your phrase, Andy. Also, you need to go in mob-handed. You, you know, it's not like uh, ADLG where a better unit will beat a lesser quality unit of the enemy. You're you're more likely to come a cropper unless you go in with superior numbers. Yeah, you need that two to one, three to one. You need to do the softening up. It is it is just a dip. Well, and also for the morale support, game. you know, if you're going in, if you're going in with um, flank and rear support, you're you're going to you're not you're less likely to be driven off before you need to fight people. Yeah, it's it's literally a different game, isn't it? Quite literally, a different yeah. game. Yeah. Okay. I had some progress with B this week. I've actually been allowed to go onto the forum. It's only taken three weeks for them to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think Hervé might be busy with something else, possibly. Yeah, I think fingers he's crossed, probably. which would be a result, wouldn't it? Um, so what about um? What, anything else, Dave, from you? Did you play any other games this week or were you just you know, oh, still reeling from your BE experience? No, BE we played sort of twice, didn't we? we were, uh, Simon and I were going to play last week. We, we were a bit too pissed after the female. All oh, right, right. No, okay. Yeah, um, Clive's... We didn't quite get that. 
Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Anybody else, Peter? Have you um now that you're locked in the house with your um your children who've who've already gifted you a disease, I believe. Um, any? Did you manage to take them on on any sort of form of um gaming? Uh no. We were doing a bit of computer gaming where we were doing EU four, but uh, not like doing some of the table top stuff. So uh, my youngest was. Ex- do you play them at EU four or? Uh, yes, uh, I do, and uh, he beats me, which is okay. quite amusing because he's worked out all the tricks and everything else, and uh, likes turning up mob-handed with his ottomans. Oh wow! So he he basically beats you as a teenager, you know, whatever would do at computer games, rather than um, you know your military genius is still remains um, unbowed. It's just him knowing the tricks. Uh, that I'd like to think it that way. Yeah. It's <laughs> okay then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll have to bring him in at some point and um, and see if he's got a different view on that. I, have, I, have a uh, I, I don't doubt he won't. But you don't uh, doubt he won't. Okay. Yeah, but uh, hopefully this week he'll be uh, doing a few more BE games. I think. Yeah. No, good. All right. Okay. All right, Tamsin. What about you? Have you been doing any any skirmish gaming or you know um, getting anything out on the table this time um, this week, or has it still been all painting for you? Oh, not there. Sorry. Um, and um, oh, Adam's gone as well, completely. Right. So oh, I was just doing some bloody painting there. Sorry about that. Um, oh, there she is. Uh-huh. Tansy, any skirmish games from you this week? No games from me this week. Okay. Um, well, for, for me this week, I've actually managed to fit in, as well as kind of sitting in on the BE game, while well, I didn't shove any soldiers around, I think I've actually done two um, long distance tabletop simulator games. Uh, one um, against well, one guy, a couple of guys from Australia. One of them's the um, the battle reports guy um, from from Australia as well. He he joined in and came to sit it. So it was um, it was I actually had to start at nine o'clock in the morning, which is a bit surreal um, in order to get the time difference right for them um, to the other side. So so for me that was actually getting up early and on time. It was it was quite disturbing, and I did that. Um, textbook completely stupid thing of uh well i did i say completely stupid but most of the western defense industrial complex and its defense establishment does it every day um of fighting the last war which was um was quite remarkable so i was playing a classical game because it's the first time we played so i always think classical is a good place to start and and i didn't actually get around to pulling together a proper army so i just reused the roman army that i'd played Phil with the week before and um and tweaked it to make it better because it it had some flaws because I just cobbled that together a little bit so I improved it and I was thinking okay I'll just wheel this out it's already won a game it's been quite effective bish bosh and um deployed it the terrain didn't really work um the 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 other people they were using Carthaginians and um and they took off two bits of rough that I put down with two sixes which was a bit of a pain in the in the whatever um and it only left one piece of rough on one flank for my media infantry to my sam knights to rush into so i stuck the sam knights there they were going to rush into the media infantry i was going to you know put my big spear and legionaries in the middle and tough it out and then my big cavalry command on the open flank with a couple of spearmen and try and do the same thing and i'd not been paying attention and they were using early carthaginians so um (laughs) Yeah, so my so my medium infantry suddenly found themselves in the open, moving second, 
against four <laughs> heavy chariots. So, so they were sort of on the back front, back foot from um, from pretty much the first turn. And yeah, I think I think the best I managed to achieve with them was having the last of them killed on my base edge in about f- turn four. So they were basically really... speed bumps. They were they were speed bumps, and the speed bit was they were running backwards at full speed, <laughs> trying to just delay death, which which completely opened the flank of my spear line, which didn't work. And then my my cavalry command was, and its spearmen were just slowly chasing um, his cavalry command, which was falling back because he was just winning in the middle. And um, and it was just you know everything. I I I didn't pay attention on the list. The terrain went against me, and. I deployed and fought as if the terrain was still there, and it was just an absolute shambles. I've um, I've got a video of it, but I'm not even sure it's actually um, it's actually worth salvaging because there's so little there, and it was over quite quickly. And then um, and then this afternoon, I've just played Massimo, who's the guy who's conjured up many of the armies in Art um, Gear on Tabletop Simulator in a great um, high medieval battle. I used late Hungarians, and he used Germans. And um, there was a big um, medium foot motorway sort of straight down the middle, you know, a hill and some rough terrain that I couldn't really do a lot about. And he threw a load of Swiss halberdiers down it in an allied command. One flank, he had all his heavy infantry, um, pikemen, halberdiers. And I just sort of skirmished that away with cavalry. The other flank, he had his knights and and I had my knights and a, um, a command with some sort of infantry and a war wagon and the rest of it. And, and it was a real nip and tuck. I, w- I was a long way ahead for a while and then and then nearly pushed him over the line and then he really, really clawed it back. And we ended up, his 21-element army broke and my 22-element army had 21 gone. Um, so it was like 40, 42 um, units casualties on it or, or casualty points, which was, was absolutely fantastic. Um, and um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll get another game in in the next couple of weeks, probably something a bit more early and classical, but going from, from all classical battles more recently to, to a heavy metal historical one and just sort of remembering how terrain works and, and how mixed arms works in medieval battles was really, really um, a good kind of reminder that there's, there's just so many bloody different ways to play this. I think absolutely so many different ways, but um, um but I think the only thing with the the Hungarian army that exists on TT um, TTS is it's got it's got some quite um, bold and and sort of intrusive basing and um, okay and there you can sort of change it with with a couple of clicks but I think that does take us very um, you know very obviously it's almost as if I um, haven't just made that stuff up to make a link and a bridge to the next feature um, to to talk a little bit about different types of basic this means war right well this is something that we've been threatening to talk about for for months um possibly even since we started it's been on our list of unimportant weird things but well i think um you know, after the massive, massive excitement of paintbrushes and then topping that with a whole 35 to 38 minutes about talking about glue, we seem to have managed to kick this one into the long grass for the best part of six months. But but with lockdown grinding on and um, being kind of 
weirdly half sort of extended today um, as there always seems to be a press conference at, at all times it has eventually become the time to talk about basing and um, and how we do it what we do what the theory is what the thinking is and you know this is a if, if we want to start high um, and, and start about this intellectually and, and talk about the ins and outs of it I think there's only one place to start and that is Tamsin because you have clearly thought about this and the rest of us probably just do stuff and cobble it together and don't think about it but but you're gonna you know I'm hoping lay some some theory some structure some concepts onto it some some stuff that you've read from somewhere else what what's what's your world what's your basing thing how does that all fit together it depends <laughs> correct <laughs> answer correct answer materials over the years so it's hmm. always try to get get the basic bases done so they look appropriate mm. for, for the context of the figures that they're going to be in you don't have a basing style then you you look at the figures you look at do you look yeah. at the scale do you look at the because you know, obviously well, it's, it's i how the fi- i scale of figures the <clears throat> context i the context so what period yeah yeah what geographical area? Yeah. Also, are they individually based, multiple, multiple based? Hmm. I okay. I found... so, so, I guess, so I guess the context is is a straightforward one for us all to understand. You know, we're not going to see the Romans in Mega City One, although I'm sure someone's no. planned a game for Salute 2023 for it that. Be, I it, given it the be... fact that there's a lot of time. Various time travel bits going it is on, possible, isn't it? Yeah, it, it will be at salute twenty twenty three. Now we've mentioned it. Yeah. You could yeah. well see. Yeah, but let's. But, but you you made an interesting suggestion about scale. So if you're saying fifteens and twenty eights, then generally, even if they were the same era, say you were doing, I think we've seen you do some Romans or something, or you know, um, and fifteens and twenty eights. What's what's your thinking about doing them differently? Or how would you approach them differently from basing material, basing style? What is there a difference? So I first, it's to some extent, I great. I if you're using sand, sand and other sort of granular bits, it depends on the grain size. Like something that looks fine for sort of dry mm. mud, I dry mud, sand or whatever in twenty-eight millimeter. Would look ridiculously large for fifteen millimeter and ludicrously large for six millimeter. So, it's guessing, getting that done. Sorry, I, I've just got to just put you on pause while I go and burn all my basing from my different scale chart. No, we'll come back to it. Yeah, <laughs> go on, carry on, carry on. Yeah, so different grades of sand for mixed mixed into whatever, however you're going to do it. So, six millimeter of even 15 millimeter, I tend to use sort of finer grain sand than I do for wood at 28 mil. Uh, I do, tend to do, you buy, in, do you buy sand from basing companies or do you just buy sand from builders? Oh, I'm trying to remember what, what I did. I think the, 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 the first I bought, I army I did, the basing sand I got was uh, I nicked it out of the children's um, sand pit. Yeah. By a comparison, 
Yeah. Cool. I do that. you're talking about for basing figures. So, largish grain sand. I tend to. I get. And you can buy one kilogram bird, bags of bird sand from Wilco for <laughs> a quid. That will do you for several okay. twenty-eight millimeter armies. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, so it's just just a grain thing. And also, I've Wilco bird grit again, kilogram for a quid. And right. Okay. Use a mix, use a mix even more up. So do you have, in the same way that you've got your um, your tiered, you know, arrangement of paints on um, the nail varnish? Do you have a tiered arrangement of different pots of bird grit? Is there, there's not a, an eBay bird grit tiered no. holder? No, no, fine. I just have sort of Tupperware, I standard tup. But how many? How many? Bags into Tupperware, bu Tupperware boxes. But how many different Tupperware, How many different grades of sand and stuff do you have in on the workbench? Got, I think it's probably three. Three, okay. Oh, thank God for that. I was just... Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's gonna be like, it's not I think it's going to be like 18 or something. I, but I found, thanks. But two sides of basing. You've got the sort of ground material. Yeah. Which you're using is build up around any any integral bases on the figures. Mm. Normally, most figures cast, and you've got the... Come with a little base, don't they? Disc yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Building up around that. And I tend to you if it's quite if it's quite thin, you can get away with just PVA and sand. If it's yeah. if it's thicker, then you need to build up a bit. And I've various materials over years. I sort of acrylic modelling paste, sand, which still do sometimes. If I'm that costs money though, doesn't it? That's like a uh, what a like some that's like an expensive thing, isn't cheap it? Cheap and cheerful now. Mm. Pound shops, go and buy you can get if you go to Poundland, mm. you can get acrylic brown acrylic frame sealant. Frame sealant is that not is that it's got a little it's bit rubbery same, same sort of thing as decorator's cork. Okay, decorator's cork. Okay, yeah. so it's still got a little yeah, bit of flex on it. You yeah. can go off to B and Q mm. or Screwfix or wherever and buy yeah sort of slightly more expensive ones, but Poundland do it quite a cheap yeah. three hundred mils and wow. It, but I do a lot of bases, yeah. And sometimes just to, to make things, I speed things up. Mm. Make I do a bit empty, empty a tube, mm. empty a tube into a into a container. Yeah. Add some grit and sand, a little bit of water, mix up. So you've got oh, you've got the texture all in one. So you've got, been even so doing the texture all in one then. And you've got the texture. Okay. I've done that on a few. I've used Vallejo's acrylic, I acrylic. Te brown textures, rough mm -hmm. textures. Is, is that just you gold. being, you know, is that you falling for marketing from Vallejo and it's, and actually the decorator's cork is, is just as good? It's, well, Vallejo, I saw it and thought, yeah, I'll try that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's an experiment. I know, really it worked out that it was basically the same. same as acrylic, well, acrylic modeling paste. Okay. Buy a 300 mil tub of acrylic modeling paste. For about eight quid, yeah, which is the same as acrylic. I decorators cork. Effectively. Decorators cork with sand added to it. Yeah, okay. So well, you're, you're the, um, well, the modelling paste is just straight cork. Oh my you god! Get, <laughs> you get text, artist wow. text paste, which is cork plus. Wow, wait. So you've you've very much been of the opinion that you know cheap is better, 
Um, well, no, cheap is exactly the same, really, on, when it comes to this sort of stuff. I cheap is I facing materials. It's it's good enough. I you're not. I wouldn't use sort of cheap I craft acrylics from for works for painting mm. figures. No, sure, but for basing, it's uh, as good base, as. I for basing and for yeah. doing terrain. Yeah, they're absolutely fine. But yeah, just get it done. Okay, all right. And, second, um, second stage basing is what you put on top of that ground texture. Okay. You're talking I sort of the. For ground foam flocks, static grass, pre-made. Uh, now there's a whole world of static yeah. grass, isn't there? So are you, a, are you an electric, electric machine type person when it comes to static grass? Is that... Sometimes. Is that sometimes. sometimes, not always. Uh, What's your criteria for using electro... Have you got an electrostatic machine thing? I've actually got two. Oh. Of course you've got two. Right. And that's that's I've, got one, I've got one which is a, a bedside one. There's a one a bedside one with two to three bars of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a flatbed one which I bought, I think it was War Painter. Okay. I have a flock box which you can use as flatbed. I put put paper down, sort of hold it, hold it down or something, apply spots of glue and you can make tufts that way. Or you can plug it. Or you got, or it comes with crocodile clips, which you can attach to sieve or whatever. Mm. Have the have your paper or whatever separate. Grass in grass into the grass into the sieve. Yeah. And shake it over. Mm. Uh, I've have used used both, but I found some ways that was actually a bit awkward for when you were doing doing sort of figure bases. Yeah. Both for doing tufts. Yeah. Like, not for doing okay. figures. So it's but, so doing electrostatic on, from, on... I bought another one from Warworld Scenics. Right. The handheld sort of shaker tub looks like, looks like a lightsaber gone wrong. Right, okay. And is that battery operated? That, well, That's like, battery operated. The, right, okay. the, the flatbed one can be battery operated or mains operated. I, you know, personally, I would say if you're getting into mains operated flock stuff you're in a world of danger really aren't you that's um it can't need 240 volts and 50 hertz can it really uh, it go, well, it go, it, you're going to be melting the figures surely but um, no it goes well it doesn't it it goes through goes through a tr uh, transformer bit so it's sure, only okay. like <laughs> nine or twelve volts fine all right then. okay it's the amperage i remember it's not for it's not for voltage that kills you it's the amperage it's the amperage eagle <laughs> throw the switch throw the switch eagle yes i he, uh, so passed, both, passed away uh, through um, uh, multi-figure bases most of the time i actually do the same mistake i use the knock gauge knock gauge master whichever it right. is the buffer squirter thing bottles. and and the difference between using either electrostatic or the puffer squirter bottle and just um which is kind of what i do is like stick on some white glue and then dunk them in um grass grass stuff what is the real difference you're more like I, with the puff bottle, you get more. I more of them actually standing upright, up, than you upright. Do just dunking them okay. in, dunking right. them in. And with electrostatic, you get even more standing upright. Right. Okay. Then the whole bit about the thickness, how thick. The how long is the flock? Fluid. Yeah, what is the flock length? What's your what's your chosen flock length by figure? Because um, I've, I think I've got like one I, lot of. Um, most, most mostly I use two mil two two hmm. millimeter flock static grass i uh, for 28 mil figures i might you 
I might use four mil as well, or I might do sometimes. I think you have, I have you might have, I might have shown some on early on one of the earliest earlier yeah Germans maybe ones where I was to, where I had sort of multi layer. So you go back, apply a base layer, do a multi, then add a bit, add some extra glue, do a second layer, possibly with a different color, so you get patches different lengths and colors. Wow. So how do you stop the flock coming off? Because usually after I've been in a long competition, it, it looks as though there's like a, it's a crazy dog shedding uh, by the end of the weekend. You'll always get some shedding. You'll always get some shedding with static grass. What you can do afterward to help, help reduce that is another spray, of, a spray again with varnish. So, I, I always varnish after um, putting the static grass on. But yeah, got to but wait, the really problem is if you varnish after, uh, leave it twenty uh, hours. Blast yeah, off. you you can end up with uh, like little green bits stuck yes. out in the nose in miniature and that. It looks yeah. pretty weird. And then you go yeah. around the tweezers trying to pay them off because you yeah, always no, notice it when you put it down and there's bright lights. I've taken photos and it's yeah. only when I've been editing photos afterwards that I'm saying, oh god, there's grass on that guy's head. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the downsides of photos, isn't it? I think you've got to, you've got to really wait. You've got to have the self-discipline um, to wait for it to dry and then really rigorously brush it off, um, you know, with a fairly stiff brush and, and then make sure you've um, got rid of all those little stray bits and pieces of grass. And that's where an airbrush comes in handy. Well, how many bars, though? How many bars of pressure? What aperture? Just shitloads, really. Yeah. Normal static pressure is about one point eight bar. One point eight. I, I just get the flat. children to wander around with the fan and turn the fan faster. You know, it's much easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In your. Or just blow area. on them. Or just blow on them. All right. Okay. Good. And then, do you once you've got this? Um. You know. Well, actually, maybe we jumped a step in terms of colorizing the um, the cork and the sand and all the the base texture. Um, I think you said you know using <clears throat> cheapy paints to do it. Yeah, I uh, what I well, I, if I'm using the uh, brown frame sealant, yeah, oh, then right. all you need to do after that is just a dry brush. Fine. So brown decorators cork, really. Yeah, if using white, I I get buy some brown ink. I Dale Rowney, Winsor yeah. Newton, Liquitex, whoever. Yeah, add that in, and it's just done. Uh, dry brush with a lighter colour to bring out any yeah. texture. Okay, all right. So, um, so it is the mass effect that this is one of the things. Um, even pre pre judging our conversation next week, in which cheap is cheap is quite often better, and that allows you to save enough money to spend hundreds of pounds on two different um, electrostatic flock machines that work off okay. off mains electricity. It's a result. It's perfect. Textbook I, wargaming. Uh, another thing. Sort of basing, which I tip, which I got from another blogger, which I have used mm. and which I've been using with these Romans. Rather than using sort of glue, I white PVA glue. Yeah. Standard household paint, emulsion paint. Put that on the base. Add the sand. It will stick it quite it happily. Will stick it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, if you want, you can mix in some PVA glue in. Mm. Get extra, but glue, either paint will hold it just as well. Wow. And, so you mean you end up with all your um, soldiers in pure, and, brilliant white? And the sand, like the sand that you put on top will actually take up some of the pigment from, from the paint. Okay. 
It actually sucks the pigment out of the paint. Ah. So you just need to get a, a household paint in the right brown. So does does that mean if you get some of the hairs, you know, uh, some of the grass and the flock, you can just say it's from the Dulux dog that was delivering the paint then? Yeah. If your Dulux dog is bright green, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly your whatever COVID drugs you're having there, Peter, might be um you might have picked the wrong ones, I think. If you're You've used yourself, Peter. Dogs. Yeah. Oh, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, Peter, look, whilst you're on um, on there now, what's your what's your kind of go-to basing um, thing? Do you have you gone through an evolution of basing? What? I've gone through a long evolution from literally nicking the sand from the kiddies' uh, sandbox, uh, which was quite amusing because uh, they liked it. That was my first Roman army. Um, to then, I went uh, after going to the first couple of competitions and seeing. Uh, some of you with various complicated stuff and I made the mistake of looking at someone's 28 mil armies and I went and bought a load of stuff which I've consequently not even opened because um, right. it's just like going it's just too much hassle I, I think the, the best thing I've done is to base an army in, in a go so if I'm painting up an army I'll try and base it all in one so it's got that puts across that degree of consistency after going on a couple of trips with you guys uh, off to Europe and that, I think over, I think it was several beers between Simon, Tim and Dave and way too many beers. Um, I've now lurched into a um, do the base sand, do um, a couple of colours brush um, and stick on a few rocks and then um, uh, dab on a bit of grass and that. Um, and it, I like the sort of mixed up look of it. Um, doesn't look uniform, breaks it up a bit. Um, it's just making sure nothing overwhelms it. So I'm quite pleased with the the last ones I did, the Austrians. So it's um, it's come a long a long way, and um, I'm just hoping something actually sticks on more than one competition because uh, that's the bit I usually have a problem with. But uh, by the time I'm coming home, the sort of like uh, the bag I'm bringing it in raffles much more than uh, it did when I left. So have you ended up with armies that are based? noticeably differently so which makes it difficult to you know mix them or, or morph them together or or, or your basins uh, yes. always been reasonably consistent no i um i did the flames uh, my first flame to war one um i did those in a more consistent manner because of the nationalities so yeah. you know it's different compared to the ancients the when i started doing the ancients the the adlg uh, stuff I went mostly a consistent one, apart from when I did some of the Arabic stuff and went into a sort of desert scheme. Because it was the ancients, a lot of it you can sort of mix and match in certain ones. So I wanted to be consistent from that. And right. then when I've come to the Napoleonics, I've just decided um, I bought some French ones. Um, so they're going to stay with the sort of the, the green velvet that they've got. But with the Austrians and some of the others that... Uh, you know, have a bit more fun running over the hills and that. Um, mm. I'm having that sort of light rocky formation. But um, when back when we were doing the Saga stuff, I experimented a bit with the 28 mil stuff. And uh, yeah. oh man, I, I'm sure I've got a pack of those flowers and things somewhere that I just yeah. just could not be bothered using. Yeah. <laughs> I tried three or four times. They look great, but bloody hell. I'm sorry, but I, uh, yeah. I like to show you on that. I've got several packs of 
think it was mini nature. Yeah. Flowers. The flowers. It's just like going. Flowers and... The flowers are so tempting, aren't they? But then you, you look at them and you go, is this quite sort of military enough? <laughs> Has it got that military vibe really? That's always the challenge. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I try to aim for a bit more consistency. And mm. um, But it's like you were saying about painting the army, but by the time you finish painting it, I just want to get it done now. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, I mean, I, I must admit, most of my armies, um, normally when we get ready for competitions and that, the basing is dictated by how many days there are left until I have to actually leave for the competition. Uh, <laughs> defines about how detailed it is. Right. Okay. So you, you base an army at a time then, and um, and the, the basing evolves a little bit between between armies still, even from yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Dave, um, what about you? You've um, you're a man with um, a mock fluffer, um, which you you keep waving at us in a somewhat disconcerting way in, in many of these podcasts, um, and possibly you wave at other people that you Zoom call with as well. But that's probably in other parts of your private life. Um, talk us through the Dave basing world or the, the Dave basing evolution as well. I well, I mean, when I started wargaming ten years ago, you used to see armies which looked bloody awful, just people stuck onto green cards and that. Yeah. I think basing's come one hell of a long way. I, I've evolved from just sticking a bit of sand onto. I, I've got. I, I really enjoy basting. I really do. Mm. So I've got a drawer full of stuff. So I've got one sort of like kitchen bag of uh, rocks, mm. uh, ballast from you know just from modelling ballast, and I'll stick two or three rocks on a base sometimes together and then wait for that to stick. Then I've got two grades of sand, a very fine sand, and then okay. a less fine sand. Um, I'll make sure there's glue all over the base, yeah. including onto the metal around the guy's shoes, because there's nothing worse on basing to see the metal base of the figure sticking through your sand and that. Yeah. And then, so I use, bit of rock sometimes so if it's if it's a you know something like a thracian guy uh, medium infantry going through terrain there'll be a couple of rocks on there then i'll smear glue all around it and then what i like to do is get enough of a texture on the base that dry brushing will work okay i think the dry brushing is really important i've got cork as well a little tiny i mean i used to use a lot of cork fine cork but a little bit of cork gives it the texture to take the dry brushing do you um do you put the cork into the basing material or do you just stick it on top um i just use some pva glue smear the pva glue all around so glue the figures to a 30 by 40 or 40 by 40 yeah. whatever then pva glue all around the base a little bit rock first make sure that sticks on first before you put it in um, i'll put some fine sand around the base then a bit of less, a tiny little sprinkle of less fine sand onto that. Mm. And then finally a little bit of cork onto that. So you've got three textures. Right. Around. Okay. Then... Just, to avoid, just to avoid any confusion. When I was talking about decorated cork, it was cork, C-A-U-L-K. Yeah. And cork. Yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. I've got yep. like the Antenna City's cork, which is £2.75, and that is a lifetime supply. I'd actually say, if anybody wants some, I've got loads. 
but recently, I mean, when we went to Devices a few years ago, there were some kids there called Gatehouse Gaming UK, mm-hmm. and they're not cheap, but their sands are really, really nice, and they've got loads of different things. They're actually on eBay, but they charge a fortune for um, yeah, posters, unfortunately. But their stuff is really, really clever. So once it's all on their stuff down, what I what I did is I've got one way of painting my bases, mm. and I thought what I'll do is I, I looked. So I went on. There was a Flames of War website where yeah. they had, and I was looking. Well, they had a load of techniques for basing, and I found one which was uh, Libya, North Africa. And I thought, okay. that's good. So I followed that as a basis, and I've written, I think it's really good. So I use British uniform, sorry, English uniform Vallejo 921 or 141, and I use that, and I paint that on. I water it down a bit, but that goes on the whole base. Wow, you actually use a Vallejo colour for your main um, yeah. base thing. Wow. So I paint the Vallejo English uniform across the whole base. And then I dry brush desert yellow over that mm. once it's dry. And then I use a final dry brush of buff, a, a very little amount of that. And just, I mean, it sounds like a bit a lot of things, but three, you know, one base coat and then two dry brushes really makes it ping. And I think it really makes a big difference. And I think uh, I, I really enjoy doing it. I really do enjoy it. It does, um, it kind of makes it just look, you, you achieve quite a lot of improvement yeah. for, um, for a relatively small good amount basing, of effort. Good basing makes an army really good. So, you know, just putting a, a couple of rocks on the base first. What happens is the rocks stick out of the sand. Yeah. So you get that little effect of like there's some rocks underneath the... Mm. the earth that they're walking across okay and um flocking uh, um i'm i've just bought an electric flocking machine from on ebay which i'm going to give a go right that's okay. been a complete experiment because I, I the one thing that pisses me off now is the flock doesn't stand up um, but i also use a bit i mean i've got sort of like a summer mix which i put a bit of that on two millimeter I've bought some four millimeter recently and then realized it's far, far too long for 15 millimeter. Yeah, no, that's enormous, isn't it? Four. Far yeah. too long. And then a bit of a, a darker green minotaur tuft on at the ends occasionally. So what, what's your theory on tufts then? Are you, um, are you a tufts man or have you been a convert to tufts? I think they're fantastic. I think they're a real improvement. I think there's something, I think a, a bit of, you know, flock first and then a few tufts glued into the flock in a different colour, make it really pop. So you've got like, you know, if, if you're going to do three dry brushes on the base of the sand and cork and things, and then you put two colours of, uh, you know, a, a light, I mean, I use a light green summer mix of flock, a little mm. bit of that on it, and then some darker green tufts into that. And that, that, that makes them really pop, I think. But the, the secret is just to getting a variety of different colours and textures there then. Yeah. Exactly. On a, on a solid base. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so you're saying that they're about formal being too long for 15 mil figures. Straight upright on a battlefield, maybe. I mean, but if a lot of it's sort of flattened down. Yeah. Not so, not so, not so bad. I think mean, 4 mil 
Formal is what, 40 centimeters, 16 inches? If it's summer, sort of spring, late autumn, if it's a hay field, yeah. that's not too, that's actually fairly short. I think if I can get it, get this new. But it's, it has the effect during the lower, my sort of lower legs of the figure, so that is mm. why we think it's too. It, it looks. There's too also long. a difference between what's realistic and what people expect to see. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing about yeah, what colour do you paint it, elephants, it, isn't it? Only me to flop yeah. to stand up with these electric static things. It will look really good, but yeah. I'm, I'm, what sort of electric yeah. static was you? Was it you got? Is it, Sort of the fly squatter, fly squatter can yeah. This this sort of like T sieve with a with a with a uh, you say a crocodile thing. So I'm sure I'm going to electric oh, yeah. loads of times. Yeah. I've got <laughs> ten sitting here ready. So I'm yeah. My idea. Uh, I, what I would suggest if you're using that, I straighten out a paper clip. Yeah. Put that in the crocodile clip. And you and so the the crocodile clip isn't directly on there. <laughs> Well, I've been Dave, watching... please take care. I don't want to have to write another eulogy. <laughs> Dave, you are so going to zap yourself. It's going to happen. Yeah, you will get zapped. I, I've got, I got zapped plenty of times when I was using the, using the sieve and... Wow. It's more normally, it's just a short so, zap and you let, let go of the sieve and the static grass flies everywhere so we're, we're going to see your hair sticking up on the next podcast then Dave. not much hair left no <laughs> that would be an achievement wouldn't we i think we i've been watching some youtube tutorials with kids who you know war uh, war, war hamster kids who you know, <laughs> near the glue yeah. on and then they stick the electrodes into the glue yeah they reckon that works you so, need to don't try it when you're in the bath don't need to. It just needs. It needs to be sort of down at about the level of the base. Yeah. Well, what I'm thinking, of, I've got a, I've got a biscuit tin, and I'm hoping if I put my war base. Ooh, no, in, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Put a bit of water in and get a metal tin. A baking sheet. Get some rubber gloves. Dave, um, um, no, you must have rubber gloves already, surely. I mean, rubber it's, boots, I mean. No, yeah, get a baking sheet, put, I put your figures on, onto that. Yeah, okay. Rather, rather than a biscuit tin. Well, I just bought some so baking sheets. Otherwise, you'll be... Electrocuted. <laughs> ...over a much bigger area. Much bigger area. Much bigger area. <laughs> <laughs> you end up flocking most of your living room, then, quite possibly. <laughs> the, great British, the Great British Base Off. The Great British Base <laughs> Off, yes, in your biscuits. It's biscuit tin. And in a pocket of salted water. That could That's be it. That's two tonight for Andy. That could be the one. All right. Okay. Let's go around the houses. Let's go around the houses a little bit more. Then, um, Simon, what about you? Um, what's your um, your world of basing? Because um, you've got all sorts of different eras and different armies and things like that, and you've you've imported stuff from Australia. Is it is it like a thing that you look back on and go, damn, I wish I'd worked out a proper way to start with, or or you're not too fast? Is it different horses for courses? Oh no, I, I definitely have uh, rebased uh, a few of my original armies or the ones I brought over. Um, I used to be the standard um, historical wargamer, cheap as. <laughs> 
they used to make my own bases by cutting out cardboard. Yep. Yeah. And yes, they look like I cut out cardboard. So it might have been 40 mil wide, it might have been 38, 44. Yep. Um, so giving up and just investing, basically giving money to War Bases or Pendragon mm -hmm. for MDF bases, godsend, well worth the money. Um, but I've become a convert of the Dave Saunders or Flames of War style of um, simple basing. So again, using lots of PVA uh, glue. And I use, rather than using um, sand, because I tried using sand a few times, failed miserably. It looks like I've got my miniatures in, in, in beach sand. Right. Um, I've, been, I've purchased some big tubs of um, train ballast for HA scale model trains. Okay. Because you can buy, um, it's, it's a brand called Woodland Scenics. Yeah. You can buy this one litre jar of it. And um, it's quite a nice consistency. It, it soaks up paint really well and you can dry brush it and also adds no weight to the model. So uh, for my, my skill of painting, that's come up quite nicely. So I do the Vallejo style um, English uniform um, round buff in the desert yellow. Yep. With, with, um, I use cork, I quite often use cork, um, larger or... pieces of cork for stones and things like that. So I've got yep. some real stones, but also cork. Do you paint the cork or do you put it on after you've done the painting of the bases? Um, I glue it all and then once it's glued down on the base, then I paint it up. So okay. I try to use it to cover up the, you know, the base plates of the miniature, the footstand or whatever. Yep. And I've tried flocking using uh, like, you know, the loose grass tufts or things like that. Horrible disaster. I realise mm. I'm not particularly good at it. So I just buy the, um, the grass tufts and right. just you know, add different uh, sizes and different colours to give you a, if you look at it carefully, you go, mm, it doesn't look too good. But at three foot, you look down and go, yep. yep. It's, a, it's a whole mixture of different grasses on miniatures. It looks, you know, it comes up quite nicely. So, um, uh, and I've used that same consistent style now on all my eras from you know, Renaissance backwards. They're pretty much all consistent because it's um it's effective it's easy and i can do it um, time and time again yeah okay so you've just got proper production line solid you know what colors you're using do you, yep. do you dry brush it once you've um painted it yeah yep i'll dry brush it as well and um i used to tr i used to do you do different colors for different eras like i know some people have for their biblical that have like a more sandy type of color and then medieval is more dark like more muddy i just get the consistency across the board because it means i can morph my armies quite easy so like yeah. my chinese army you've got chariots they've got renaissance guns in it so now it's, yeah. it doesn't matter yeah, yeah it's the generic chinese around within reason okay all right and libyan desert the libyan desert yeah you're doing the libyan desert anyway and that's not changed much from the second world war to whenever exactly libyan desert works for romans yeah uh, Egyptians, whatever. What, okay. Well, Adam, what about you? Yeah, what, do you base, um, you, you live near the beach, don't you? Do you just go down and get a bucket of sand and Bob's your uncle? The what sand from the beach is actually too nice and fine. So, oh, well. um, <laughs> are you telling, you just trying to tell you if you live somewhere really posh? Is that what it is? 
Well, I think they actually import the sand and dump it on the beach to make it nice. So, okay, all right. It is nice soft sand. So, yeah. that, uh, I mean, I I figured out a way of basing um, that I liked about 15 years ago, um, and basically everything gets based like that. I, I'm shocked to hear that different sands used for 15 and 28 mil. I'm shocked to hear <laughs> there are grades of sand that you can put on. It's I just use apart from. Uh, Malifaux figures I've done differently because I bought resin bases at cobblestones and I figured out a way of doing cobblestones and they all look the same. But I do, similar to most people, it's almost like a modern war game standard. I used to love my painted green and then do some flop on top yep. when I was a young lad, but the world's moved on. And mm. I go with wood filler as long as it's not hard because there are too many base, bases all messed, sort of like mixing up and I can't get in the middle. If I yeah. if it's like that, I just don't put wood filler on. Right. Then I, I glue I glue sand on top um, with PVA. Um, the sand I use is builder sand. It's about three pound a bag from B and Q. And by a bag, I mean a bag. A twenty-five kilo bag, isn't it? Sorry, about a twenty-five kilo bag. It's big. I don't know, but yeah. it was heavy carrying it home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually add into that different textures. So I put little, I've got, um, I don't know where or how or why I've got them, but it's like little stones. I think it's railway modeling track ballast or something. Yep. So I throw a load of them in and some other stuff that I've got lying around. I throw in them to make it a little bit different sizes. I glue that on with PVA. Mm-hmm. I then paint that with emulsion. Yeah. Um, the emulsion I use is I, the tester pots. Yes, yeah, yeah. I buy the tester pots. Um, and about 15 years ago, I bought about five tubes. I bought a few different ones and decided what color I'd like. And I bought about five tubes of the tester pots of, um, I think it was, um, Kenyan mid tone crown Kenyan mid tone. And I'm now on the last tube of that. So it lasts forever. It needs to be watered down quite a lot because it's very thick. Yeah, and I no, just paint that on and the sand just sucks it in. Hmm. Um, and it looks nice. Then a vaguely heavy dry brush with green, a very light dry brush with white, um, and then sort of like tufts and different patches of static grass. Um, Sort of like at random to create a random sort of pattern to hide the bases. And all my figures have been based like that for quite a long time, so they're all interchangeable. Um, And they look okay. I mean, the thing about bases is when you look at a table, you actually see the base more than you see the figure from the angle you're looking at. Definitely. So um, it's got to look kind of coherent and that's all I do. And the concept of different sized static grass, different grains of sand is um, again, other people's basing is going to look better than mine, but it's, it's a very quick way of basing that I am happy with the effects it gives for the army. Okay. So that kind of works for me. So you're on with emulsion. All right. Um, Andy, what, what about you? Um, you're cooking stuff up in your kitchen on the Zoom call as we speak. Is there, um, is there a pot of basing material bubbling away on the stove um, behind you? or um, what's the, what's the There's no smoke coming out, so the answer is probably no. Probably I not. use stuff called um, Coat Darn Brushscape. It's described as sandy brown, but it's more a kind of a mid-dark brown. But you, this stuff gives it texture. What I do is I stick the figures on the MDF base, um, and then I put this stuff in, and it um, uh, solidly it, it builds up the physical height of it, and it's got kind of 
a bit bumpy and knobbly, so it, it creates a kind of a textured effect. Leave that to dry, probably best overnight. Um, and then I dry brush it bone colour or linen or something similar. Then I give it another dry brush of grey. And then after that, I put dabs of white glue on it and then sprinkle some uh, flock on it. And that's it. And, you know, if I want kind of deserty type stuff, I'll put less grass on it or probably none at all. And if I want European one, I'll put a bit more grass on it, but it'll have mm. a varied kind of a rough patch, bits of grass mix type of stuff on it. And that tends to be how I, how, how I do most of my, my basing these days. And how many armies will you get through um, one of those coat to arms, you know, buckets of whatever it is with? Um, oh, quite a few. I mean, I've actually, um, I bought one at the beginning of lockdown and I've not finished it yet. And I've painted well, for about 400 figures um, of, of different scales. So, uh, wow. okay. Yeah. It's that quite, it, through. yeah. You only need a small amount on each, um, on each individual base. Yeah. Yeah. True. All right. But okay. so it's a fairly, fairly simple process, but it looks, it, you know, I don't obsess over, over the quality of the bases, but they look nice and they look painted and colored and a bit kind of not pure green, yeah. solid green. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I'm a great believer of the, of the fact of a bit of nice painting and a couple of flags can hide a multitude of painting sins. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I think that's the case as well. Yeah, but I think certainly from, from my point of view, I've got, I've ended up with sort of two, I've got a legacy basing and a more recent basing that I started doing with some Saga stuff that's now kind of started to eat into into the rest of mine. And and they do sort of meet in the middle-ish, but but I'm in that period in which I've got half of my stuff with one style of basing and half with the other, and it is a little bit irritating. So so my old style basing was, you know, building up the the base initially with a filler um i was using polyfill polyfiller wood filler in a really light color kind of a most lightest that kind of gives you a yellowy um a yellowy slightly textured um piece anyway as long as you don't smooth it over too much and i actually found that color was a really good match for um miniature paint sand so you could build up the texture on the actual base itself with the polyfiller um light wood filler and then you only had to paint around the edge of it with sand um so there was no painting over the top and and occasionally i would push into it little bits of proper sand or again like everybody else some model railway um ballast just to give it a bit of slightly different texture and then when that was dry just dry brush the lot with a initially a kind of a ready brown and then a real much paler brown so that there was always two tones of of dry brush on it and then do patches of of initially flock and then i moved many years ago onto static grass um the normal sort of two to three mil but i've never really gone down the route of of even considering the electrostatic malarkey um partly because it just sounds really bloody complicated um but it's not uh, it's not it's complicated. Not, I'm sure it's not complicated. Okay, it sounds more work than I can be asked to do, and um, which is probably a more accurate way of doing it. And I can justify it to myself in that the grass is trampled down, um, possibly. So um, that, that's the answer. So um, so I've got patches of grass on it. I think a few years ago I got sold on the idea of 
of grass tufts and started adding some of those to to particularly the bigger scale figures to get a real mix of them um because just having different grass tufts i think it was um one of the um on the aglg players from um from up north um sells quite a lot on ebay if, if he's still doing that so adding grass tufts and i have got like everybody else a set of flowers that i bought thinking that would be great to add some color and then i now look at them and go i don't know add like that that's too bloody colorful that's no a bit flowers. weird no yeah the flowers flowers is a bit weird um but then since then a few years ago i started doing a completely different one which was if the figure's base isn't that big i will just do pva glue and sand um if the figure base is quite is bigger i will actually build it up with wood filler and then do pva glue and sand so and again build a sand textbook it's it just has a range of little different sizes of stuff naturally in it I sort of filter out some of the really bigger stones, particularly on 15 mil ones, but just sort of pick them off. But but instead of painting it, um, I stain it with a thing called Rustin's wood stain um, for interior and exterior use. And I use a dark oak. Um, so it, you know, it literally is for wood stain. It's for staining untreated wood furniture and, and just giving it a completely different color. And you just dunk your paintbrush in it and dab it onto the base with the sand and the sand can still be being the glue can be wet or it can be dry it doesn't make any difference and sort of osmosis just takes this thing all the way through the um the sand and gives it a really consistent color um and then i dry brush the sand with with a pale gray and um i think it's skeleton bone or bleach bone one of those two colors to give them a really really consistent color and i've used that on on 28 mils, on 28 mil single base, on 15s. I've even used it on um, on six mil six mil tanks um, and stuff like that. It's just exactly the same sand, <laughs> exactly the same dry brush, and the um, doing it with the stain just is seems a lot easier than painting over sand. You're not watering stuff down. You're just getting it out of the tin and, and, and plonking it on, and you can do one or two. If you do more stain, it gets a darker color. Um, and then patches of, of dry brush on, sorry, patches of dry brush. Because using the motion, it sort of soaks in. Um, yeah. But before doing the sand, I yeah. use the unwatered down emotion to actually paint the figure base. Right, okay. How does a stain deal with figure base? Um, the, it, just, well, it just stains the sand and it will stain the MDF if you're using MDF bases as well. No, but, I mean the metal or plastic base of the figure. Oh, sorry, the figure base. No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't do that. It doesn't colour it at all. I, I end up, um, well, two things, I guess. So either I end up painting that um, like a brown um, mm. or I build up over it with um, some, if I build the polyfiller up to, up to level with it, I put sand over it mm -hmm. quite often. I end up using the static grass around the feet of the figures where it's really obvious there's a base. Um, so sometimes when I just can't be bothered to, to build up the bases to, um, you know, if there's just too much, you think these figures are just, I just want to get them done. I glue the sand on and you can see there's kind of raised mounds around the feet of the figures, but which would be really obvious if it's just the sand and, and the dry brush but that tends to be where I stick all the static grass. So the grass will just hide it. Um, but yeah, so you, you know, it, it doesn't color metal, 
but it really, really stains sand um, to a really, it's bizarre, you know, you'd think sand would be sand coloured, but it's not a consistent colour and it's a bit light. But using this stain, you suddenly make all of the sand a consistent darker colour and then you dry brush it to make it lighter, which is is starting one place and then, then working to get back there again. But um, and that I've really, really liked. And again, moved to MDF bases just because they're kind of neat. You know, I'm, I'm not sure it really matters if a base is 39 mil or 41 mil or, you know, I'm not quite sure the the accuracy of the basis is wildly important in most of the games we play or any yeah, of the games we play really. But, I like having but it's the... Just a, it's just yeah. the fact they do fit together and, and it sort of fits that OCD thing. Um, Plus you can get the bases that have already got the um, uh, metal underneath for the magnets. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The magnets to make it a lot yeah. easier when you're traveling around with that. Spaces. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, I, I, deep enough to not make me wince because I've started using them. And yeah. for a long time, it's like, no, I'm going to use, and we say cardboard, it's how yeah. I use our mounting card. It's like, exactly. yeah, proper stuff. Decent material. But the MDF is just easier and it's cheap enough to make me go, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, three quid, two yeah. quid, it's, one pound the 80. MDF is less light to walk than the, than the mounting board and. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I, th I think that's a post-hoc justification because, you know, interject, I've 30 years... Interject but, with my scientist yeah. hat on because earlier you said that the, the rustins would stain yeah. deep through by osmosis. No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. Osmosis, it has to cross a membrane. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's what is it called? What's the science? Uh, Capillary uh, action. Capillary action. Of course it is. Yes. Absolutely yeah. right. So, it's, but so the, you know, the great thing is, is I get a bit of science. I get a bit of science. Yeah, I get a good one. Um, <laughs> Andy, where are you when I need you? Um, there's a bit of um, there's a bit of science there as well. So, but I'm in the middle of having two different basing schemes, and I've ended up with my biblical troops on the new scheme, and then all my sort of classical era troops on the other one. Um, and it's just like there's this thing with um, the Armenian Persians who kind of sit in both camps. That it's just means I'm going to have to buy some more figures and, and base them both differently. Because obviously using one army with two different sets of basing and it's um, utterly unacceptable when the option is buying more figures from a museum in their sale in January. So, so that, um, that I think takes us round the full set of people um, in terms of our discussion on basing. This means war. So then we've um, we've we've delved deep into the world of um, static grass and basing, and um, I think in the intervening few minutes, um, I think Dave hasn't yet electrocuted himself, but it's probably by next week's episode uh, <laughs> we might be seeing a man with um, with static hair um, sticking well, up. It's if, not if arrived not. yet. So I think <laughs> I think it's stuck in the post office. They claim they came and tried to knock on my door. Yeah. It's the static electricity. Someone it's stuck to someone's sweater, isn't it? Um, yeah. But look, you yeah, know, in, in if um if if that shocking story isn't enough for you, it's time for us all to be shocked by the arrival of Andy's quiz music. It gets harder work every week, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> we need to get exercise from somewhere. Yeah, you got to do. 
So then, Saladi in Croyab, and um, and away we go. Andy, hit March us with two, right? March two, hit week. us with hit us with last week's answers, and then um, give us a little pause so I can put the music in um, sure. much more tidily, and then um, we'll, we'll go on with next week's questions. Probably even with a French accent, right? Last week um, I asked you three questions on the theme. Oh, what a lovely war! And they were about the First World War. The first question was, which Oscar-winning feature film? featured the top-scoring Austrian submarine ace of the First World War. The no, hills giving... are alive with... The sound of U-boats, possibly. It has to be that, because that's the film with the most sort of Germany people in it, isn't it? You know, that's it, yeah. 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 Uh, Jörg van Trapp was the um, top German, uh, Austrian submarine ace. Was he one of the children, or was he the dad? The dad. He was the dad. He was the dad. Okay. Yeah. And there's actually a bit about him in a museum in a place called Cotor, which is in Montenegro. It's a lovely old fortified town and they've got a maritime museum and there's a section of naval history about the Austrian Navy and the uh, Yugoslav Navy there. Yugoslav Navy. Yeah, yeah some nice model destroyers from World War II and stuff. Well, right, research. question two. Which first World War fighter race has a major sporting venue in France named after him? On base, I don't know any other French stadia. I was guess Roland Garros. That's it. Bloody hell! Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Roland Garros. Yeah, and he became famous partly because he was when the Germans started. Um, they had this thing called the Fokker Eindecker, which could shoot straight ahead, and that was a, a technological advantage for them. And the Allies couldn't because basically they fired the machine gun through the front of their plane; it would shoot the propellers off. And Garros put what's called deflector plates on his propellers, which is basically steel, steel mm. bits to, so the bullets would bounce off. Um, and that worked for a while, and then he was shot down. And then afterwards, the Allies worked out that if they made the engines fire the machine guns, which is what the Germans did, you could actually stop the bullets going through the propeller. Yeah, you could synchronise it. No, there's a whole thing yeah. about that, the RF Museum in Hendon, which, um, which might even be open again soon. Wow, that'd be resolved. Okay. Yeah. Right, and the question three... Which German commander in 1918 did not surrender until he found out about the armistice from a captured newspaper? Nope, not a Scooby. Not a Scooby. His name was uh, Colonel Onleto Vorbeck, and he was in command of the troops in German East Africa. And when the colony was basically overrun in 1916, he kept going around with his troops and doing guerrilla warfare against the British and leading them a merry dance. And... He attacked a Portuguese place in November 1918, captured some newspapers and found out the war was over. So then he just marched up to the local British base and say, apparently the war's over, here we are. Is that so, another Zanzibar link? Have we actually um, you know, created consistency and, and something coming through? This wasn't in Zanzibar, was it? Do we need well, to Zanzibar pull? was actually off the coast of um, German East Africa at the time, which yeah. was Tanzania. Um, and there was actually some naval action going on. There was a, there was a cruiser called the Cunningsberg. If you ever seen the movie Shout at the Devil years ago about the German cruiser hiding in the um, river, that was based well, on Lee, the ship that, that did Lee that. Marvin one? Yes, Lee Marvin and um, I think of her name in a minute. Sophia Loren? No, um, Catherine Hepburn, I think it was. Catherine Hepburn. Wow. Yeah, what? The African Queen. There's a huge amount of military history there for um, for Paul in Zanzibar then, as we speak. Good, okay. Yep.
this week's questions Andy. This week's theme is called Museum Pieces. Which foreign dictator's wooden leg is one of the exhibits in the Illinois State Military Museum having been captured by an Illinois regiment during wartime? <laughs> well I, I don't know but you know this has suddenly become my number one reason for wanting um, Covid to be over um, <laughs> to go to a Chicago Military Museum. And number two, which Napoleonic marshal related to the heroine of a historic event commemorated in the famous folk song has his baton as an exhibit in a museum in Armadale on the Isle of Skye? The Isle of Skye, someone's baton. Fine. Okay. That's um, and right. That's which niche. Union general who was acquitted of killing his wife's lover by pleading temporary insanity? commanded a corps at Gettysburg and lost his leg, which is now an exhibit in the Smithsonian Museum. <laughs> okay. So, yes, there's, um, so it's, it's body parts strewn across the world then. Um, in, yeah, in and obviously collected by Americans to put in museums. <laughs> collected by museums. Okay, then. Well, look, on, on that bombshell, um, I think we will, um, we will sit back and listen to that music. Okay, then. Well, look, we're, um, we, we just found out, um, I think, this very evening about how lockdown may or may not change depending on where we live. Um, and we are now known, none the wiser anyway. But, you know, I think that still means we've got another few weeks of, of not necessarily being able to go out. So very, very quickly to run around and say, what have you got, you know, coming in the post? What have you got on the workbench, on the paint bench this week? And Adam, starting with you, what, what's your next seven days looking like? Well, uh, looks like some nations and nations, and to be honest, though, it's like I just want uh, to have a hot bath. Yeah, and um, it's and um, perhaps a bit of a Syrian relief before going to bed. That's good. A little bit of a Syrian relief for you, Peter. You and your Assyrian relief um, now that you're locked at home. Um, well, you know, you've got to have a good Assyrian relief. It's um, it's the way to go these days. Yeah. Um, I'm going to march through the Bavarians, then um, transfer. Um, while I'm on isolation, as to the app has told me for the next 10 days. Um, I've got some French to uh, march into next. So um, I've got, um, I think it's going to be a Napoleonic couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Um, Simon, what about for you? Um, are you going to be waiting? Are you going to be doing anything before that stuff that you're not really going to buy from um, Lancashire Games arrives? So, yeah. I'm currently working on more 28mm rats, so yeah, I can start to make a lot of cheese jokes. But yeah, uh, yeah until the um, the next models arrive, I think I'll be just focusing on these uh, these quite cute models and just having some fun. Okay, yeah, in fact, that does remind me. Maybe um, maybe next week, if it's good weather, I'll get on my bike and um, and bring you over those American football rats. You can have them <laughs> to, um, to as wingers, or whatever they are in um, in Dragon Rampant, and. Um, Tamsin, what about you? You said you've got some MDS scatter terrain and then you've got something else kind of yeah, in the pipeline. Yeah, MDS scatter terrain and then before I go on to those cobblestone figures mentioned for the last couple of episodes. Yes, <laughs> the cobblestones are coming after some scatter. All right. Yeah. Um, Saunders, we know that you're going to be you know, faffing around with, um, with pipe cleaners and, and electricity and, and possibly nothing could go wrong. So you know, what might be your last ever appearance on this podcast? Um, <laughs> what, 
what are you what have you got planned for next week before you um, electrocute yourself um well i'm gonna learn to make bread what with the uh, scatter thing no no well, nigella lawson last week and she's making bread she's got this easy recipe for making bread so my plan for the next few days is to make bread that's well, how you learn how to blow stuff up. Back in, back in March and April. That's the sourdough. I've never used flour in my life, apart from a rudimentary toad in the hole. Well, I'm heard it's very, good for, it's, um, it's very good for basing. It's very good for basing <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you get a fine enough grain. <laughs> it was quite good fun explaining what toad in the hole was to Inyaki in Spain. Yes, that is true. Yeah, that was a weird, weird conversation. All right, so look, you're going to have something very unusual to report on next week, um, or, or possibly not. All being well. All being well, all being well. And, um, and Mr Finkel, what about you? What's on, um, what's on the table this week for you? Um, more Thracians and Voinooks, basically, and I think that will keep me entertained till um, next week. And I think for me it's... You know, it's more finishing off a few odds and sods. I've got a few um, 28 mil Ottoman generals just to finish off. And I think I will make a pretty big dent in these Arabs. I suspect there'll only be a couple of bases left to do by it. And, and like Adam, I think I'm hoping on good weather to get some, um, get some spraying done outside. And I think I'm also waiting on a couple of um, deliveries that are 10 mil tank related. And, and I will be dithering about what, about some... 20 different pots of paint so you can paint them properly, is that it? No, I've just waited one big can of um, British Green and one <laughs> big can of Dunkel Gelb to come um, from Element Games. So once they're, they're done, I think they will be 90% um, of the way there and the other 23 colours can probably go whistle. So um, on, on that note, whilst we're whistling for colours and um, I'm waiting for static electricity, it's time to say thank you yet again for another entertaining, I believe, um, period of time. And... Um, Goodbye and good luck for everybody in the next week of whatever the next lockdown phase actually looks like. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. There's some boring steam coming out of the back Bye. of Dave's... Um, uh... I think we've got and blue and paintbrushes we sometimes said different things i think we've all said about the same <laughs> thing on that repeatedly then i stick glue on then i use static glass yeah that grass. static grass yeah oh, um, that's very different save the best till last you know it's all i don't just throw this shit together you uh, really do surprise me